Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This is Christine Heath. I'm coming to you from Hawaii, and I'm here with my very, very best friend, and so happy that we get to do these things together. Judy Sedgman, and I'm coming to you from Pittsburgh, and it's always such a thrill to see Chris on screen while we're recording. So thank you, Chris. You know, we're so funny because one of the things that people remark is how much they love to hear our friendship um, on these podcasts. And this has been absolutely the best thing to me because we don't get to see each other very much. And because we do these all the time, I feel like, you know, you're like literally in my life all week long because we do our <laughs> program, you know, we do the psychology as a backwards program. FYI, if you're interested and you want to get some individual help or you just want to understand more about how to help other people to understand uh, how to see psychology from a different perspective, uh, get on our website, psychology has it backwards.com. And there's a the program you can sign up and, um, we make it available at a very inexpensive price. And if you can afford that, we'll work out something with you so that we don't turn anybody away because they can't afford it. Um, but we'll work out something that'll work for you. Yeah, and it's fun too. <laughs> yeah, it is. We have a great time. I mean, that's the sometimes, uh, you know, we, we don't like obviously make a lot of money doing it, but what we get out of it in terms of our own um, enjoyment and just watching people change. Like for instance, we had a woman come um, that had been in uh, traditional therapy for 40 years and she had not had any moments that she could recall when she was really feeling good. And she got on and told us that she felt happy and felt joyful for the first time in 40 years as a result of listening to our podcast. Now, that's pretty amazing, actually, because we obviously didn't do anything. We're just talking. We're not doing anything to her. But it was such a, a gift to have her, her come. And she, so she, now she's going through the detox process of uh, <laughs> getting out of the thinking that she's been programmed uh, with from her traditional analytical therapy. So today, one of the things we thought we'd talk about is the illusion of moods, because there's a whole thing, you know, called mood disorders. And, and for the longest time, I think I mean, it's still pretty popular. Um, psychology kind of goes through these 10-year, um, uh, there's about 10-year um, diagnosis um, moments. And uh, so there's the diagnosis of the decade. And bipolar was the diagnosis of the decade starting in about 2000. And suddenly everybody became bipolar and everybody who all kids, you'd talk to teenagers, Oh, I'm so bipolar. And it is <laughs> talking about is that their moods change and that this happens frequently. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk a little bit about moods, um, 
how to have them without them having you. So I think Sandy Crott did something on that once, but it's, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of looking at how we're functioning. And if we understand how moods work, we can understand why people would have a mood disorder, which we wouldn't say was a mood disorder, but it was just an understanding disorder. And they're unable to see how their state of mind and their thinking changes to create that shift in what we would call a mood. So there's there, what we what the other thing that we what we heard from our our people in the program was that people talk about well I I'm in a mood well I did that because I was in a bad mood or you know I'm having my my period and so I'm in a bad mood and there's kind of a way that people understand that they have moods but they also think it's because of something external mm-hmm. or that, that the mood itself is a thing. You know, like it's a thing that you have that's kind of like a a monster that comes from the Black Lagoon every once in a while and comes out of you and takes over and runs your thinking and makes you act crazy and do different things. But really, moods are just changes in the state of mind word and the quality of the thinking that gets produced from that state of mind. And when people don't understand that that's what's happening, they get caught up in that thinking and then they get more into it. So when you're in a bad mood and then you're, um, uh, your thinking is going to be, ne- I mean, when I'm in a bad mood, nothing, nothing is good. You know, I'm too fat. There's too much violence in the world. Nobody's listening to us. You know, we've got this great message and nobody can hear us, blah, blah, blah. But, and that all seems real in that moment. And then the moment I'm filled with gratitude for being able to live in Hawaii and being able to have a great friend like Judy Sedgman and to th- those kinds of things. And it's, it seems if you don't understand what's going on, it fe- seems a little bit like you're mentally unstable. Like Sid Banks used to say, used to say people are schizophrenic. All everybody is up and down and in and out all over the place. And sometimes <laughs> it feels like that. It feels like that because that's how quickly our thoughts can change and our state of mind can change. Yeah. And the interesting thing to me about some of my clients who are in low moods when they come to talk to me and they're, they say, I've just, I felt this way for months or I felt this way for weeks. So it can't be a mood, you know, because it's, it's happening to me. You know, it's like, I can't, I can't shake it. And I, I've come to the conclusion, and maybe this is just my opinion, but it seems to ring true for the clients too, that what happens with us when we get in a bad mood, we get kind of mad at ourselves for being in a bad mood. Like, let's say that, you know, I suddenly get, start coming up with some negative thoughts and then I feel worse. And then I think, oh gosh, you know, I've got so much to do today and now I'm, I don't feel like doing any of it. And I'm mad at this or upset about that. And then I, think I, I can't afford to be this way. I'm supposed to be cheerful. I'm, you know, a teacher, I'm this or I'm that. So then I start beating myself up because I'm, you know, and I, I can't get out of my mood. And it's, you can get yourself into a cycle, a self-perpetuating bad mood because you're thinking about bad mood thinking in a bad mood. And I really think that some of the reason why people stay in a bad mood for a really long time is they don't recognize that. They don't recognize that they're keeping it alive by trying to fight it. 
or blaming themselves for having it or trying to find out whose fault it is that they're, you know, figuring out why they're in this bad mood so they can do something about whoever that is or whatever that is. And actually moods just come and go. And if we accept them, you know, it's like, oh gosh, you know, I'm, I just suddenly must've had some negative thoughts because suddenly I feel kind of down and I don't get frightened by it and I don't blame myself for it and I don't get upset about it. Um, and just keep on with my life, it'll pass. And I think back to um, my Aunt Mary. My father was uh, older when he got married. So by the time I was born, he was like 52. And uh, he was one of the younger children in a large family. So I had quite a few elderly aunts and uncles as I was growing up. And um, I remember my Aunt Mary specifically because I spent a lot of time with her. She was great. And she used to say, don't talk to me right now. I'm in a bad mood, but it'll be gone soon. And she was, you know, I mean, this is when I was a child, a long time before anybody heard of the three principles. But, um, you know, she just had the common sense to know that moods pass and that she'd be fine. And, and there's no point trying to answer a child's question when you're in a bad mood. And so that that common sense gets lost when we get self-absorbed with all this, you know, thinking about our psychology. And the other thing that happens um, to me, it's like when we go through, like you can have, you know, like when you're sick, you know, your thinking's not as good as when you're not. That's why, or when you lose a family member um, and you're, it's, you know, like, we all know that. I mean, how, how many centuries have gone by that people have said, you know, if you've just lost your spouse, don't decide to sell your house. You know, like everybody knows, and, and people know that people have done that, right? Because it seemed like the fix. And so they would get caught up in doing that. So kind of common sense that has been passed down from generations tells us that human beings sometimes operate in less optimal modes of thinking. That's what a mood is, period. And we all go in and out of them. They're like the weather. You know, sometimes it's you're having a, a thunderstorm and sometimes you're having a hurricane and sometimes you're having just a very, like we'd call the doldrums, where there's no, no air moving at all. Everything's just stagnant and sticky and hot. And, and then other times you've got a gentle breeze coming through. And you're just really in a light, light feeling. So all that is, is changes in your thinking in the state of mind you're thinking it in, right? So what, for whatever reason, we go in and out of these, you know, our thinking changes. We're all, we're all kind of impacted by the negativity in the world to X degree, you know, where we start thinking about it. And then that thinking creates the mood we're in, but it looks like it's all the stuff that we're thinking about in the world. So what, one of the things that I've noticed right now that I think gets people is they're so attached to what they think. Like, you know, it's just this new, new attachment we have to information and being right. That's why people get so tricked by misinformation on the internet because they are so attached to their thinking and their thinking looks like it's accurate. Like they were interviewing this guy at the, um, okay, this is going to be sound political to those of you that may think differently than I am, but please bear with me. I'm trying to tell you the idea about thought is that he um, said that 
uh, hammers kill more people than guns do. And he was being interviewed and the guy said, really? And he said, yes. He said, look it up, check it out. Well, of course that's not true. But he said, well, I heard it somewhere. Somebody told me that, so it must be true. <laughs> and, and so like we hang on to some facts in our head, whether they're true or not. And lots of times that's facts we have about ourselves. And when we're caught up in those thoughts that look like they're facts, we get bummed out because it looks like we are all the worst things we would think about ourselves. Now, when you give that thinking so much credibility, then people are walking around thinking these ridiculous things about each other and about themselves. And it all seems like it's true because, of course, consciousness doesn't care what you think. It takes whatever you think and makes it seem real in the moment. So when you're doing a lot of negative thinking, you're going to be in a bad mood and that bad mood is going to distort how you see your reality. And you're going to, if you keep thinking about it, you'll keep stay in there. But like your aunt said, just wait, it'll pass. You know, I'll be back myself in a minute. Don't ask me now. I could, I could say something really stupid. (laughs) You know, it's another thing. It's, uh, I remember in my aunt, uh, when I asked her one time, you know, and it was a big Italian family and they were all Catholic. And at that time, women actually, the older women especially, wore black for a year after their like husband or somebody close to them died. And then they could stop wearing black. But, and I asked my aunt, how come you have to wear it for a year? I mean, what's the big deal about a year? And she said, well, I guess that people just have the idea that if you don't remind yourself to be sad, you can't stay sad for a year. And, you know, and there's so much common sense in that, you know, so you put on your black garb every morning and remind yourself how sad you are so that you can continue thinking your sad thoughts. And then you've kind of done your thing after a year, you can put on your pretty flowered dress and <laughs> think something else. And I, I think we, we just don't see how obvious common sense is. And I think, uh, you know, I, one of the things that's different about the work that we do with people, and I think one of the reasons we can say we have fun in our group, even though everybody doesn't always start out in a good mood, is that we don't talk about the thinking that holds people back and keeps them down. That's not what we want to explore with people. Now, we don't tell them stop thinking that or just, you know, ch- change your mind or say something obvious like that. But if somebody comes in, like I had a client one time who came in and she was looking for help because she was, she felt like she was really down on her luck and, and she had nothing going for her and she had a hard time just making ends meet and taking care of her kids. And she just didn't, she just felt like she was in in a dead end in her life and she was very depressed. So I, I didn't say, well, tell me more about your depression I said, well, uh, so you have children? And she said, oh, yeah, I have two children. And she told me about her son and her daughter. Both One was in junior high and one was in elementary school. And I said, well, what are your kids interested in? And she started telling me about her son being a great softball player. As a matter of fact, really good. You know, that he might actually, baseball could be something for him someday. And her daughter is taking modern dance and loves it. And I said, well, that's wonderful. So is that, is that expensive for you? And she said, well, actually, no, the, the ball, you know, my son, I just have to buy him 
a mitt and, you know, he plays, you know, kind of in a little league in the neighborhood. It's no big deal. And he said, my daughter, her best friend's mother teaches modern dance and she just lets my daughter come to the class. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. That is wonderful. So you don't have to worry about paying for that. And she said, no, no, I don't. She said, that's really nice that my kids can follow their interests without any effect on our budget. So I said, well, so now school's out. It was was summer. I said, what do you guys do in the summer? She said, oh, I have a really good friend that has a cabin up in North Carolina. And her kids and my kids are about the same age. And she's also a single mom. And so I, we go up there and spend a couple of weeks with her and her kids. And I said, oh, that's great. <laughs> I said, so it's a nice vacation for the kids. She said, oh, yeah, it's on a lake and they fish and swim. And so she started to describe all these nice things in her life. And suddenly she, says, she looks at me and she says, I'm not even sure why I'm here. Now, I didn't say that. She said that. She said, I'm not even sure why I'm here. She said, as I'm talking to you about my life, I'm thinking, what the hell am I complaining about? (laughs) And I said, well, I don't know. But I said, I I was just trying to find out a little bit about what your day-to-day life was like. And she said, well, actually, you know, my kids are doing well in school. And I live in a property that my parents own. And although I pay them rent, it isn't as much as it would be if they weren't my parents. And, um, you know, my car is kind of old, but um, so far still running. And she said, you know, it's tough sometimes because I don't make much money. But she said, I am, um, I am taking a course online. And if I get through it, I'm going to get promoted at my job. <laughs> and as she's talking about her life, she suddenly realizes that she was just in a bad mood when she came in. She said, I don't know. When I came in here, I just, everything looked so terrible to me. And as, as I, now as I'm talking about it, it's not that bad. And I said, well, that's great. You know, I said, it's wonderful. And I said, just remember that, you know, when your mood shifts, when your thinking shifts, your mood shifts, your mood is the shadow of your thoughts. And so when you're in a bad mood, don't talk about it. (laughs) You know, don't dwell on it. Now, that's a really good example about how people in the field, the traditional field, get tricked in a sense by the reality of the person they're talking to. So people start thinking, I'm going to go to therapy now. I got to think about what's wrong with my life. So they start thinking about what's wrong and what they don't like or what the problem they're having or something. And they, and, and I, cause I've had clients saying, you know, I couldn't think of anything. I was going to cancel my appointment. I couldn't think of any problems that I had. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 don't come in for your problems. Come in for your health, you know, but it, It's like people don't know that. So they think they're coming in to talk to somebody about their problems. So the therapist starts talking to the person and they start going over the thinking they have about their life that makes it look terrible to them in that moment. And then the therapist starts to see the same reality as the person. So they're like, oh, yeah, I'd be bummed out if that was going on in my life, too. Or let me help you with that because it's obviously a problem rather than looking at it as, oh, this person's in a really bad mood right now. My job is to help them get in a better mood and a healthier state of mind, and then they would see their life differently and they would see all of those things they see as problems differently. But when you don't understand that, the person coming in presents with whatever they're talking about, and then you go with that if you don't understand 
again, the nature of moods in, in terms of the moment-to-moment nature of life and, and thought. It's amazing to me when you just said that, that, oh, no wonder we got so tricky. I mean, I would do the same thing before I learned the principles. People would come in and they'd, oh, this happened and that happened and this happened and that. And they would like tell me how bad their life was. And sometimes, and, and this still happens today, as people get in a better state of mind as they're talking. And then they'll say, similar to what your client said, they'll say like, oh, I remember this happened on Wednesday too. And it's this wonderful thing that they totally forgot about while they were at <laughs> all the stuff that didn't go the way they wanted, right? Mm-hmm. So their state of mind changes and then suddenly they see their life differently. They see that, oh yeah, that happened and this happened. But we're kind of all trained to focus on problems and, and trying to fix our problems. So we get so caught up in living in our problems, we get into a really low mood. Now, that doesn't mean that some people don't get really caught up in what we would call a really low level of consciousness. And um, I think that'll be probably a whole conversation for another day. But when people live in a really, really negative state of mind and they're doing a whole bunch of thinking, 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 and they don't know that their thinking has anything to do with the state of mind they're in or how they feel, they start to malfunction. You know, so I'm not saying that medication doesn't help some people. I'm not saying that some people are severely disabled by their thinking by the time it gets to this place. But most people, their moods are coming and going. And even for people that are in a really low state of mind, that's also true. They're not like that all the time. But when people go up and down, they tend to like uh, analyze that as um, changes in their mood. And when people go up and down and they're really in a negative state of mind, they go from kind of hyper to depressed, hyper to depressed, hyper to depressed. They don't go into peace, love, joy, and then depressed. So it's really, they're not going into health and then going into depression. That's a misnomer that people think about mood disorders. But what people are doing is they're at a kind of a low level of consciousness where they're so affected by their thinking. So they think in ways that make them feel better. And that's kind of like they get really uh, excited about things or they get really manicky. They get, have to have pressure in their life to feel okay. And if they don't, then they kind of drop down into super depressed. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. different than just subtle changes in your thinking at whatever level you're functioning at. You know, that that's very true. And, and I, I had another, another story that kind of speaks to all we've been talking about is that I written, this was a, this was kind of a friend thing. So I had a friend, whose daughter was very upset because her husband was sure she was having an affair and she wasn't. And she was crying to her mother, you know, he just thinks that I'm not, I'm being unfaithful to him. And he keeps telling me, I just don't know why you, you know, why you're even staying around and blah, blah, blah. And there was something in the the way that, that one thing, I don't know why you're even staying around. It made me think, I don't think that that's what's causing him to think that, that she's really doing something. So I, I said, well, I'll talk to them. And I was just talking to them in their living room. It was not a, you know, official thing, but I just went and, you know, they agreed to talk to me. 
And um, so I said, you know, you guys, I, I, I know, uh, I knew the girl's mother very well, but I didn't, I knew her a little bit and I knew, I knew I'd met them, but I didn't know them well. I said, I don't know you guys real well. I know you've been married for four or five years. And I was like, how did you meet? And so uh, the guy said, well, we met at a party. And I said, oh, I said, was it like a big party? And you just sort of ran into each other. How did that happen? And he said, no, he said, I'm kind of shy. And I was just sitting off in a corner, you know, trying to figure out who to talk to. And she came and sat down next to me and started talking to me. And I, she was so sweet. And I just thought, oh, what a nice girl. And, um, you know, so I talked to her. She made me feel very comfortable. And I talked to her. And then, you know, the, the next thing you know, we met again. and. We started dating and now we're married. And so I said to her, so what made you go over there and talk to him? And she said, oh my God, he was so cute. There was this good looking guy sitting on that couch. And I thought, oh my, I better sit over there before somebody else sits with him. (laughs) And she's talking about how she was so attracted to him and he was so polite and kind and gentle and she said, I'm, I'm sure I was boring him to death, but he was so nice. He just put up with me blathering on, and I was just trying to stay there long enough to get to know him a little bit. She was trying to pick him up, and he, and he felt like she was, you know, I don't know, just felt sorry for him. And I said, I said, to, um, I said to her, well, does he still look that way to you? She said, oh, yeah. She said, he's the love of my life. And she said, it really hurts me that he's so upset. He really thinks that something's going on. Well, he said, I'm just not in the same league with you. He said that. And she said, oh, I know. She said, I know I'm not, I'll never be as kind and good as you are. (laughs) Everything he said when she answered, it was completely the reverse. And it finally began to dawn on him. And I said, you know, let me explain something to you about insecurity. And let me just tell you what happens when you start having a lot of insecure thoughts, how that affects your mood. And then then when you look out through the same eyeballs that you've been looking at every day, things look different. And I said, now she has not become insecure in this marriage. And so she still looks at you the same way that she looked at you that night that she saw you on the couch. You have been giving yourself information that comes from low mood thinking about, oh, I'm not good enough. And why did this nice girl marry me? And, you know, I'm, I'll never live up to her expectations. And you start telling yourself those things. And the next thing you know, your mind goes, well, she's probably seeing somebody else. <laughs> you know? And he said, yeah, that's right. That's exactly what I do. And I said, well, don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know? that's just, don't believe yourself when you're in a bad mood. And I said, rule one in life is don't talk to people when you're in a bad mood and don't listen to yourself when you're in a bad mood. And he said, well, I know, but I seem so right then. And that's the other thing that's true is you feel like if you feel like you're right when you're in a bad mood, you feel like you're onto something that that's a serious problem. And I, I think seriousness and feeling like you're onto something are two excellent signals to shut up and be quiet and let your mind rest for a minute and get out of that mood. Because that's just, those are like the warning signs of here comes a big time bad mood and you're going to give yourself a lot of false information. That's right. That's right. And that's kind of why we don't want to be so attached to the information. 
because sometimes right. it's not accurate and there's no fact checker going on in your right. head. <laughs> it just seems like it's true. And with that, I think we should end it for today. So we'll see you next week, everybody. Have a wonderful week. Yep. Have fun. Take care. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 